Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Astrology with Alice. I'm your host, Alice Bell. And today we're doing kind of a fun topic. I want to talk about what I prioritize when I'm giving an astrology reading. Because I just remember when I was first starting out um, and people like beginning to learn astrology may feel this way too, but there's just so much to consider. Like I was reading books on all these different techniques and I was like, wait, what do I, which one's the most important to use in a reading? My advice is just like to go with whatever is speaking to you and grabbing your interest. So different astrologers have different techniques. I'm going to be getting into what I look at first and foremost when I'm giving a chart reading. And I also want to say like nowadays when I'm giving readings, I really don't focus on the birth chart so much. Like I'm never, I don't know. I used to like, my readings mainly used to center around birth chart readings, which is like personality traits, um, life circumstances you're born into or just like general interests you have. Now, so the majority of my readings and where my main interest lies is in understanding what's currently happening for someone as well as what's coming up over the next few months or even years. And also I love like during a reading when we're looking back at past dates too and really understanding why a certain year was super difficult or for instance, if someone's wanting to know about the next time they'll have a big career shift or get into a relationship, I'm always asking them to remember the last time that happened because that can give a lot of clues. Like astrology is all about patterns and noticing how these same themes repeat over and over again throughout the course of your whole life. And there's a lot to take from the last time something significant happened in order to understand when the next time um, an event like that might occur. But obviously, over the course of your life, hopefully you're getting wiser and growing with experience. So if you are looking back at past difficult periods and knowing that maybe that same eclipse cycle or Saturn transits coming up, it just tends to be... I don't know, not easier, but it's like you you may know how to work with that energy more because yes, you're still going to encounter difficult times throughout your life, but um, something that may have bothered you when you were 19 or 20 years old may not be this huge devastating thing once it comes back around at age like 36, for instance. Okay, I got off on a bit of a tangent there. So to reel it back in, let's get back to what I'm first looking at when I'm pulling up a chart. Um, to preface this, I do use whole sign houses in my practice. I used to use Placidus for the first two years I was an astrologer. Over time, though, like just tracking, especially like noticing Saturn transits, this is like mainly what convinced me to switch to whole sign. I would just notice that the second like Saturn entered a new sign, both in my personal life, like for instance, when Saturn moved into Aquarius. I immediately noticed how it shifted out of my sixth house into my seventh house, like seventh house themes, even though in Placidus, it was still my sixth house, that part of Aquarius, immediately I started seeing seventh house themes pop up. And then in readings with people too, just like from trial and error and seeing what they were currently having the most stress um, in their life surrounding, it was it was very obvious that like whole sign was just making the most sense to me in prediction and like understanding where someone currently is in their life. So that's the house system I use in my readings. I also use traditional rulers. Having Neptune, Uranus, and Pluto rule the signs of Pisces, Aquarius, and Scorpio really doesn't make a lot of sense to me. 
those planets are more generational and they kind of show like feelings surrounding like the collective and bigger world events. Like I look to those planets for like mundane astrology, like tracking like news, world events, that type of thing. Um, Yes, their transits to your personal chart are definitely important. But as far as like knowing the ruler of your chart or the ruler of specific houses and where that's transiting or what that's telling you about your chart, I'm looking at the traditional rulers. So using Mars for Scorpio, Jupiter for Pisces, and Saturn for Aquarius. And the main prediction techniques, like this is my core recipe when I'm giving a reading are transit charts. Like if anything's happening, it's showing up in the transit chart. That one is like the core, like bread and butter. Like what I'm always looking at first is transits. And then I will also bring in the solar return. So transits and solar return are my two primary techniques that I'm looking at hand in hand. Like I cannot give a reading without seeing what both of the, what's happening in both of those. Um, and to start with transits, my eye is immediately going to where Jupiter, Saturn, and the North and South nodes are transiting in the chart. Those three are giving the key themes for what that person is experiencing that year specifically. I just like Saturn in general, like that is my favorite planet just because it really gets things done wherever it's transiting in your chart. I I just feel like out of those three, even Saturn is like my most important planet to watch. Like my eye is always on like, what house is Saturn transiting through? Is it aspecting any natal planets in the in the person's chart? It'll just show like where there's a huge amount of restructuring taking place in that person's life or where all the more challenging lessons are coming from. Because typically in a reading, people that's life is perfect at the moment are not seeking out an astrologer to give them answers. Like usually people that are coming to me for a reading are feeling kind of stuck or frustrated with an element of their life. And I just feel like the Saturn transit can tell you so much about what's bothering them at that moment. Saturn is definitely not all bad though. And it can kind of show like where that person is that particular year to three year period where they're taking on more responsibilities, where there's actually action taking place. Like to contrast Saturn from Jupiter, like a Jupiter transit is also important to watch because it shows where opportunities or growth might be coming through for that person that year. But like Jupiter, the thing is like, sometimes it can be like overly optimistic or it's not, Jupiter is not about like establishing firm commitments. So with Jupiter, there might be like a rush of excitement or taking on more wherever it's transit is happening. But It's like, is that stuff actually going to last long term or are there firm changes taking place in that part of your chart? Likely no, unless um, another transit is backing up Jupiter, which would be like the eclipses or Saturn. Um, So like I always say, I feel like people get really excited when they see like Jupiter going through the seventh house, like how that's a big relationship transit. And yes, while Jupiter going through the seventh may bring about positive dating activity unless it's coupled with like a Saturn transit to your Venus or maybe also Saturn going through like the first house or the seventh house at the same time um, or Saturn in the fifth even or the eclipses paired with Jupiter. Like Jupiter on its own just doesn't have a lot of like staying power, if that makes sense. 
And then I already went over this in the timing events with eclipses episode from the other week, but the north and south nodes really indicate where huge change and developments are taking place over about a year and a half to two year long period for someone. So those are really major too, to just see like where kind of like similar to Saturn coming in and like restructuring a part of your life. Eclipses bring up like sudden opportunities or major shifts and change. So yes, I'm mainly looking at where these three, Saturn, Jupiter, and the nodes are transiting, what houses they're transiting mainly. Also, if they're going over an angle of the chart, that would be very important to note. Or if they're passing over a natal planet or aspecting that natal planet by square or opposition in addition to conjunction. Like opposition, square, conjunction tend to just be way more obvious than a trine or a sextile aspect. And if I do see a natal planet aspected by one of these transits, so let's say you have your Venus in Aquarius, and last year, like in 2022, Saturn was right on your Venus in Aquarius. Like, yes, it's going to bring Saturnian themes to that Venus and maybe like saving money is more important or experiencing commitment in a relationship or maybe scaling back on what friends what friendships you put energy into those may all be like prominent like Saturn conjunct Venus themes that come up but also it's like what house does Venus rule in the chart because those two Venus ruled houses will also maybe have Saturnian themes coming up in them too even though Saturn's not transiting through those houses so let's say you're in Aries rising and Venus you're getting that um Saturn's transiting through your 11th house over your Venus and Aquarius in your 11th house of an Aries rising chart but Venus in an Aries rising chart also rules the 7th house of Libra and the second house of Taurus. So the second and the seventh house might be getting um, hit with like Saturnian like vibes. So you could honestly compare like Saturn going over through through their 11th house Venus to also Saturn transiting through the seventh house. Whereas like, yes, that's probably more likely that relationship commitment will actually come up because not only is like Venus aspected by Saturn, but the ruler of the seventh house is being aspected by Saturn. So this is like going back to like why I use traditional rulers too. And like, if you're on the fence about that type of thing, just noticing like if you are a Taurus rising and Scorpio is your seventh house, noticing how transits to Mars in your chart, wherever that might be of a Taurus rising chart, seeing how transits to Mars are more likely to bring up relationship activity than transits to Pluto, which is like the modern ruler of Scorpio. So yeah, I I definitely advise using traditional rulerships to looking at transits of the ruler ruling planets of each house. Also in a reading, I try not to do too much prep work because I don't want to fixate on what I think the client might want to talk about or like try to guess what's happening in their life. I prefer them to fill me in or tell me what they want to talk about once we're on the call. Like I'll do a brief scan of their chart and like pull up the different techniques I want to use, but I wait for them to say, okay, this is what I want to focus on. But usually I can get a general vibe of what might be on their mind just by looking at Jupiter, Saturn, and the North and South nodes. Um, But like, let's say a client comes to me and is like, I want to know when I'm going to have a job change. Like my career is so annoying right now. I'm not getting any opportunities. Then 
It's like maybe that they're feeling that way because there are no significant career transits happening at the moment to their chart. So I would look at like, when are the next transits to the second, sixth, or 10th houses or the midheaven, if we're using whole sign house and the midheavens and then like the 11th or the 9th, for instance, when are those transits next taking place? Like maybe... What's a good one? I feel like I'm getting a lot of career-related questions right now from Gemini and Sagittarius rising specifically. And it's because, like, I mean, in a Gemini rising chart, Saturn's going through the 10th. But, like, again, Saturn doesn't change. It can delay, slow things down, make that career sector of the chart feel very frustrating. And both of those rising signs kind of need the eclipses, like the Pisces-Virgo eclipse access to start up, which isn't until the fall of 2024. So it's more looking ahead. It's like, okay, when does actual change represented by the nodal transits come into the career sector of their chart and kind of giving the client that information? Um, So like, yeah, more minor work transits would be like the sun or Mars transiting through those career houses of the chart, second, sixth, tenth. But you really need a big transit like Jupiter, Saturn, or the nodes, um, and the nodes specifically indicating change, whereas Jupiter might be like advancement growth, and Saturn would be restructuring or having to take on more work and responsibilities and applying it to like those areas of the chart that it's moving through. I mentioned that I use solar returns a lot in my practice. That really gives me an idea of how that person is like feeling overall of that specific year in your life. So solar return, not to be confused with Saturn return, which is a mistake that's often made. Um, Solar return is a chart that refreshes at your birthday every year. And it shows, it's like you can read it as a standalone birth chart that lasts like just for that one year. Um, And it goes from like your birthday to your birthday. So you can think of your birthday as like a personal new year for you. And if you pay attention to like past events that have happened that have been pretty major in your life or big mindset shifts, that stuff usually occurs around either your birthday or your half birthday. Um, But like just talking about the birthday chart for this instance, solar return can really show like why certain transits are playing out differently for one person than they are for another. Like maybe um, Saturn going through the second house of someone's chart, like for one person, they're starting their own business. They're like diversifying their offerings. They're gaining more confidence at work. Whereas for another, maybe that Saturn through the second, like has them feeling a ton of financial anxiety or like restricted with money, or maybe they're saving up really intensely for something they want to purchase later on. Um, So that's like where the solar return would come in. And it's kind of looking at like, okay, where these transits are happening to their chart? Yes. But like, how is their overall mood for the year? What is actually getting like kind of positive growth? Whereas what are the more challenging houses placed in the solar return? So looking at those in tandem, it's like, okay, you have Saturn going through a workhouse of your chart in the transit chart. You're looking at how you're restructuring an aspect of your career or taking work more seriously. But then you're looking at the solar return and you're like, okay, is that going to go more? Is that person feeling that transit more positively? Or is that something really tough that they're encountering right now? From there, like I... I like giving people more exact, like firm dates. And that's where I will bring in a lunar return chart. Lunar return is like a mini version of a solar return, whereas a solar return is a year-long chart from birthday to birthday. 
a lunar return chart that's resets when the moon each month returns to the same sign your natal moon is in. So for instance, I'm a Pisces moon. So every time the moon returns to Pisces, every 28 days or so, I get I automatically get a new lunar return chart. And you can kind of notice like similar to how major events for the year might cluster around your birthday or in the few weeks like surrounding that date, big events for the month cluster around that lunar return date. So for me, like whenever the moon's in Pisces. And both these charts, solar returns and lunar returns, I like to use astro.com for them. But lunar return is, it's like giving that date and seeing like what's happening in that chart right around that date of the lunar return. Um, what houses are emphasized? Is like relationship a bigger theme for that 28-day period? Or is career a bigger a bigger focus for that month? Um, and kind of telling the person this is more likely to happen like right around the state of this lunar return, even though it lasts for a month-long period. Like if I see a month where there's a lot of positive career stuff happening or positive relationship stuff happening, you can know that you're likely going to start feeling that like right at the date that lunar return starts. I do want to note though that the lunar return chart cannot overpower the solar return chart. So just referring back to this same career stuff where we've been talking about, like if you have a solar return chart where maybe work does not look like the easiest or a change is like not apparent in that solar return chart for a year, then like even if a lunar return chart is showing like positive stuff with work or a change going on with work, it's going to be more of a minor change. Like you aren't going to change careers just because the month-long chart says you are. Like if that's not showing up in the transits or the solar return chart, it's unlikely that that month it'll somehow happen out of nowhere. So it could just be more minor positive career news, but overall you're taking, like you're prioritizing the transits in the solar return. Okay, and then to wrap this episode up, there are two more prediction techniques I like to add in, add in like, but not, I don't like totally emphasize them when I'm doing a reading, but I like to have them on hand, um, which is the secondary progress chart. And I will bring that up. Like if I see that if the client's asking about problems related to a specific specific area of life, like maybe they're wondering if they want to go back to school and get a degree. And I see that the progressed moon is like four months away from moving into their ninth house. Then I'll be like, yeah, that is a great idea. Like I see higher education and specializing in a specific subject will be a huge theme when that progressed moon is in your ninth house for the next like two and a half years because that's how long it stays in a house, kind of like Saturn. Mainly with the secondary progressed moon, I'm looking at what phases, what phase the moon is currently in. So if I see that someone is about to experience a progressed new moon, that is like crazy important. Like I will tell it to them. I'll be like, look, your identity is about to shift. Like you're stepping into like a new chapter of your life that's going to unfold over the next 30 years. Like you're on the cusp of that. Um, And a lot of people who are like turning to astrology or wanting to like deepen spirituality, they're coming up on that new moon phase in their progress chart, which only happens every 30 years, because that's like often, that's like a very big spiritual awakening um, progression phase. So yeah, with progressions, mainly focusing on 
progress moon because that moves the most quickly and it doesn't even move that fast, like two and a half years in a sign in a house of your chart. And then the phases are kind of like in seven-year increments. Like you'll spend um, seven years going from the new moon phase to the first quarter moon phase and then another seven years getting to the full moon phase and then another seven getting to the um, the waning third quarter moon phase and then another seven getting back to the new moon. So yeah, I think it's between like, I think it's around 29 years is a whole like lunar cycle in the secondary progress chart. Um, So it's really like, I bring that in if there's more time to talk about things like bigger, bigger phases of a person's life that maybe they're interested in because it really helps to put life into perspective that way sometimes and show that like, what you're working on now is part of a grander plan that is unfolding over the next, like, depending on what phase they're in, maybe it's like unfolding still over the next 15 years or even like 25 years. Um, I love stuff like that with astrology. And then finally, I will also look at annual perfections, which is, um, I want to do a whole episode on this actually in a few weeks, but annual perfections is taking like you start at age zero and that's a first house perfection year. So every house of your chart becomes activated in a certain year of your life. So in general, it can show like why certain years, like everyone in that age group is going through kind of some similarities. Um, It differs based on like what signs and planets you have ruling that house, um, as well as like natal planets that are placed in that house and like how that ruling planet of that house is functioning in its transit throughout the year. But like overall, it'll be like maybe, again, I just like love a career example, but someone who's like about to turn 33 and kind of wondering what's next with work. It's like 33 is a 10th house perfection year. So yes, that makes so much sense that career is becoming a huge focus for you. Um, Whereas like maybe someone who's 29 and kind of annoyed with life, (laughs) such a theme for age 29, um, they're coming up on age 30 and they're wondering like, am I going to meet someone? Is a relationship more in the cards? And I'm like, well, yeah, dating will definitely be a bigger focus um, if they have transits there first. But then if I see it's about to be a seventh house perfection year, then that further backs up the case that um, relationships will just be a bigger focus once they're out of 29 and firmly into the age of 30. Okay, so I hope this general overview of how I approach reading charts and the techniques I usually utilize when giving a reading has helped and maybe informed how you read charts. But again, like every astrologer has their own technique. I just wanted to show like how, what like what stands out the most to me and what I can rely on the most when I'm giving readings. So thank you guys once again for listening and I will see you back here on Monday for another weekly forecast. 